0: Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 69.
1: SWIFT facilitates documentary trade, both bank to bank and corporate to bank. And the corporate to bank component is called the digital trade channel.
0: My name is Dipesh Patel, Editor at Trade Finance Global. World trade is central to economic growth as we emerge from the pandemic, and trade is paramount in enabling the global economy to recover. So is the time really now for digitising trade? And how can we advance the dialogue to reduce friction, cost and risk? We've discussed trade digitization and its many facets for some time now, But the pandemic has probably now rendered this critical, potentially a tipping point for scalable progress in digitization. But it's not easy. Digitizing a complex ecosystem involving myriads of actors, rules, and regulations sprawled across both physical and financial supply chains in multiple countries and industries, is certainly a challenge. So today, discussing legal harmonization, richer data, standards, and interoperability. I'm joined by industry leader and one of TFG's women in trade, Louise Taylor Digby, Head of Trade Strategy at SWIFT. Louise, welcome to Trade Finance Talks.
1: Thank you, Depeche. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. So Elevator Pitch, I know you're based in Singapore, but can you give our listeners an introduction? Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do?
1: I certainly can. Thank you. So Louise Taylor-Digby. I was born in Liverpool. I'm fortunate enough to have worked all over the world in transaction banking. And I've been living in Asia Pacific for the past seven years. I head up global trade strategy here at SWIFT. And in that role, I have the pleasure of working with banks, Corporates, fintechs, and governments to reshape the future shape of the trade ecosystem.
0: Thank you very much, Louise. So, for our listeners who might not know SWIFT and what SWIFT is, can you talk us through some of the key objectives of the organization?
1: Sure. Great question. Thank you, Depeche. So, SWIFT is essentially the way in which the world moves value all day, every day, across over 200 countries, across trade, payments, FX and securities, touching banks, corporates and market infrastructures. We connect over 11,000 institutions and crucially 4 billion underlying accounts within those institutions. In addition to our core objective of enabling efficient communication for the financial world, we also have a suite of value-added services around the platform like a global KYC registry, data analytics propositions, and financial crime solutions. We're a global member-owned cooperative. And it's not just about having a technology platform, to patch We also play a leading role in standardization. There's an awful lot of effort that goes into bringing the financial services community together at global, regional, and local levels to shape market practice, to define standards, and to define rule books. So we are a reliable, neutral infrastructure provider, and we help the industry to innovate and to deploy new solutions. We also have a history of working with third-party partners. You will have seen the recent flurry, for example, of SWIFT-certified application providers, and indeed today's announcement around MonitorGov. Our objectives to PESH are really simple. We're here to enable frictionless transactions and we're here to foster a collaborative platform for new ideas to thrive.
0: Very clear introduction to SWIFT and I guess enabling efficient communication and infrastructure to the banking community has certainly been difficult during the coronavirus pandemic. 11,000 institutions, 4 billion accounts, 200 countries. Can you run us through some of the impacts of the high level of COVID-19 on global trade?
1: So, SWIFT plays a very specific role in global trade. We play a role in what we call the documentary credit suite of structures and solutions. So, LCs, bank guarantees, and documentary collections. And through the course of 2020, overall, we've seen documentary trade fall. However, we've seen corporate to bank digitization of documentary trade, something that we call the MT798 or the digital trade channel. We see that grow over 70%. overall documentary trades down, yet this desire for corporates to digitize their bank interactions was significantly up, which was phenomenal. Something else that was phenomenal, Depeche, was the way in which we've seen documentary trade recover through the course of 2020. There were weeks where LC volumes and values were down double digits, particularly around April 2020 as the pandemic really started to bite globally. And it was remarkable to see documentary trade end 2020 pretty much on a par with the year before so there was an incredible recovery in documentary trade through the course of 2020. And regionally, a lot of that was driven by Asia Pacific. And Asia went on in 2020 to further increase its share in global LC values. In terms of what we saw more broadly, I think it's fair to say that there's been widespread disruption across the board, whether it's the economic and geopolitical disruptions from demand and supply chain shocks to labor disruptions to supply chain disruptions. And in turn, those supply chain disruptions really served as a catalyst for digital disruption. And fundamentally, what we believe we're seeing now is the redefinition of business models and strategy. And crucially, it's not just the banks. A lot of this is being driven by corporates as they look at supply chain resiliency as a matter of business continuity management and therein the digitization opportunities that go alongside that. And it's also government's We've seen a number of governments step up through the course of the pandemic to really try and enable frictionless trade, be it through legislative reform, for example. So pragmatically, COVID certainly exacerbated the paper friction in global trade. You know the story, Depeche, we're working from home, the offices are closed, couriers can't get through to lockdown jurisdictions. So the problems, the 4 billion pieces of paper that underpin global trade were really exacerbated by the dynamics that we were presented with during the course of the pandemic. It also unearthed frauds, which led to regulatory calls to move away from the paper. And we've seen over 90% of supply chain executives declare that they were actively taking steps to make their supply chains more resilient. I think that's also forcing institutions, corporates, fintechs to look really hardly at where they have invested their R&D cash and really evaluate what bets they're going to place in the long term.
0: Do you think global trade has finally reached that kind of irreversible point where it simply must become digital?
1: Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) I think trade drives employment growth. It drives GDP. The broad benefits, I think, are very well documented. The reduction in processing days, unlocking billions of dollars of efficiency savings. But I think what's perhaps more fundamental than ever before are the societal benefits. So the ability to digitize trade will unlock richer data that will allow banks to do better KYC, to do better... So credit risk analysis, and theoretically, that should enable them to help extend more finance to SMEs and to corporates. That kind of need has never been more significant than business facing the road to recovery post-pandemic. I think we, for many reasons, we are at that tipping point, but it's far too easy to say that and it's actually much harder to do. I passionately believe that the answer is not just about technology alone. The technology alone isn't enough to patch.
0: I guess to your previous point on MSME access to finance, a lot of this really comes down to rethinking credit risk and the way we analyze. MSMEs. And I think one thing that's certainly come out of the pandemic is thinking about fraud risk mitigation. And to your point earlier on in this podcast, you mentioned the news this morning about the double financing fraud solution pilot that you've launched in collaboration with Manetta Go. Can you just talk about this at a, at a high level?
1: Yeah, no problem. So part and parcel of our, of our new strategy, which we, we spoke about in our recent trade white paper, is to increase our collaboration with trusted third-party partners. Another key component of our new strategy is that we will leverage our new API platform. We've been talking to, to go for a couple of years now, looking at their trade finance validation services, and it made sense to us to look at making that solution available through our global API platform, so through SWIFT's global API channel. And really the benefits of that, Depeche, are that for banks who are accessing that through their existing SWIFT, environment. They benefit from that standardization of identity, that standardization of security protocols, and indeed standardization of data model that underpins the trade finance validation API. And that's really important because when we talk to the community, we consistently get feedback about the friction and fragmentation that is starting to emerge in the API space. So being able to bring all of our credentials in terms of standardization to that was an important thing to do, not least in the wake of some of the challenges that the industry went through with some of the commodity trade finance frauds in 2020. So we're delighted to see MonitorGo had a successful pilot with the Monetary Authority of Singapore. And we look forward to launching our own pilot with them and with some of our member banks leveraging that global API platform to, again, solve for one of the most challenging pain points out there in
0: the ecosystem. I guess going back to the recent Swift white paper, you mentioned that you, you know, we saw your digital trade channel process some $2 trillion of documentary trade up 72%. Can you talk a little bit more about what that includes and why you think this was, obviously, given that overall global trade declined quite sharply, although we have seen a, quite a bit of a rebound recently?
1: Sure. So Swift facilitates documentary trade, both bank-to-bank and corporate-to-bank. And the corporate to bank component is called the digital trade channel. So that essentially enables corporates to standardize and digitize their documentary credit interactions with their banks. And that was the piece of the business that we saw the 70 plus percent growth in during the course of 2020. As I alluded earlier, this is indicative of corporates seeking to digitize and standardize their interactions with what's likely to be a multi-bank panel for the provision of documentary credit facilities. So significant growth there and no doubt more to come in the future. We also, in 2020, launched a solution to help both banks and corporates to facilitate LC presentation. So LC presentation is the technical terminology for the point at which the the array of different documents that accompany an LC transaction need to be presented. And that flow moves through both banks as well as corporates. And when the pandemic hit and we started to get feedback from the ground that couriers were struggling to get through to lockdown jurisdictions, we quickly moved to make a service called Filac freely available to banks and SWIFT connected corporates to help them move trade documents all over the world in seconds for free. That solution continues to be freely available to our community. And we also worked on a industry user guide with a number of members of the community to make it digestible and accessible for banks and SWIFT connected corporates to figure out how they could tap into that solution.
0: Very interesting. I'm sure it had a significant impact on the world during a time when the restriction of goods really was physically. I guess when we see higher risk, you definitely see a move away from kind of open account financing terms to more documentary trade, documentary credit guarantees, etc. So, so, you really will see that pronounced impact on letter of credit related transactions. So, very interesting there. I guess just going back to that white paper, what does SWIFT view as Some of the biggest challenges to making trade a reality? Is it the legal harmonization perspective of things? So, the adoption of digital trade documents under jurisdictional law in certain countries? Is it a tech problem or is it really the standards problem?
1: It's a great question. And, you know, picking up on your earlier point, Depeche, I'm sure that making a solution widely available for free, because we are a cooperative, right? We can do that all over the world, should have, could have had a huge impact didn't quite have the impact you'd expect in coming out and saying you can move trade documents all over the world for free. And why is that? Because banks, corporates, actors in the trade ecosystem are faced with significant legal uncertainty, particularly as it pertains to documents of title. And so I think that that legal complexity and the need for legal harmonization is significant. It doesn't really matter what technology we hit this with. If there is no legal certainty, then that will make particularly regulated financial institutions incredibly hesitant to move forward, as one would expect, right? So I think the need for legal harmonization is absolutely paramount. And we're delighted to see the adoption of Melita, the United Nations model law for electronic. And transferable records. So it was great to see progress on that through the course of the last year or so. Closely followed by legal harmonization, I think, are standards and interoperability. And for me, they go hand in hand. I don't think it's feasible for one to expect the world's importers, exporters, and shippers, and banks to all be on one platform. I don't think that's a, a feasible reality, right? So I think whatever the solution is to digitization, particularly when it comes to the paper friction, it has to be interoperable, Depeche, right? Because you're not going to get all of these different industries and actors onto one platform. So once you've got that legal recognition of, yes, I can go and use electronic trade documents, there's then an awful lot of work to be done on defining what cross-platform interoperability looks like and what standards we use, right? And it's not just we as in the SWIFT community, banks and large corporates, it's also the shipping community and even more fragmented as you get into um, SMEs and particular industry nuances. So I don't think the technology is the biggest issue. I think there's, there's a lot of of technology out there today, both new technologies and old technologies, that can transfer documents, can track legal title, can help solve for identity. But without that legal harmonisation and without an agreement on how we interoperate across this ecosystem and what language we use and what data components going to be most important, it's going to be a real challenge.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we've seen some really positive moves coming out of the G7 championing trial and, and also some really good movement from the Law Commission of England and Wales really looking at proposing, sending out proposals for law reform, which really do allow for the acceptance of electronic trade documents. I think hopefully some really good news to come there. I also think that hopefully some good news to keep track and keep following on from the development of ISO to really see that as an enabler for digitization. Let's go back to the letter of credit that you mentioned earlier because it still really is one of the commonly used trade instruments and uh, we talk about the digitization but I know we did a paper recently with the WTO on new technologies such as IoT and DLT and smart contracts and also API strategy. Could a fully digital letter of credit help reduce the paper-reliant nature of trading? Can we bring in new technologies into this to really help accelerate the digital digitization of something like a uh, letter of credit?
1: Absolutely. Look, I think there's some really interesting solutions out there. Again, the technology is not so much the focus. For me, we're technology agnostic at Swift. We're happy to work with third-party partners. But I really think that unless we crack the standards, nuts, and you know, to your point, it's great to see initiatives like ISO 20022 mm-hmm. gain traction. Mm-hmm. It's also wonderful to see things like the ICC Digital Standards Initiative really trying to pull together stakeholders from across different industries to align on standards and interoperability and the way forward. So absolutely, the volatilities presented by COVID could well drive up that demand back towards traditional trade documents, uh, trade instruments rather. As you said earlier, we've seen a product shift to open account and that was underway well before COVID. You know, if you look at the trajectory of traditional trade instruments, there's been that shift to open account for quite some time. The volatilities that we're facing now across the business community could well drive us back to those traditional documentary trade instruments. And indeed, the more simple we make that, the more frictionless we make that, the more we will enable more corporates and more SMEs. To trade. But again, the technology alone isn't enough. We have to have that legislative reform and we have to keep striving for common standards and continue to engage in initiatives like that from the, the DSI.
0: Yes, absolutely. And there's always the worry about reverting back to the way processes were in trade, which really probably would be seen as a backward step for the industry. So I guess very conscious of time and there's a lot happening at SWIFT and prioritization is probably always a challenge for you guys. And with so much going on as a global neutral cooperative with so many stakeholders, I want to finish off with a final question, Louise. What's next for SWIFT in terms of helping corporate and institutional partners? And are we going to be hearing more news stories and more exciting updates in Cybos?
1: Absolutely. So we have our ISO 20022 program where we're moving a vast global community to a richer data dictionary. We have our new platform launch in 2022 to enable instant and frictionless end-to-end transaction management that was endorsed by some of the big banks earlier this and that will provide the community with a common set of transaction processing services. We have our platform partnership program which we touched upon earlier, Monitor Go being the example where we're collaborating with a range of different technology providers and, and fintechs to grow an ecosystem system of really innovative third-party services for the benefit of our community and our API platform, as I alluded earlier, which really gives us the capability to drive some of these new and innovative ideas, particularly when you think about reimagining some of these traditional legacy workflows. Double-clicking on trade specifically, as we noted in the paper PESH, we will become agnostic to the financing. So historically, we've been very much focused on documentary credits. Moving forward, we will be more agnostic to the financing. The assets and capabilities that we have at Swift can lend themselves to an array of different scenarios, be it traditional trade or open account or the fraud scenario that you've seen with Monitor Go. We'll do that through both messaging and through APIs. And we'll also do that with third parties, as we touched upon earlier. And fundamentally, Depeche, we want to create an ecosystem of trade services around the Swift platform. We're looking really closely at what dematerialization of those 4 billion pieces of paper actually means. How does the community operationalize that? How do you implement that? What's that minimum viable product? What does it look like? We're also looking at how we can create standardized catalogs of trade-based APIs, working very closely there with the ICC. We'll continue to look at what new value-added services we can bring on the back of MonitorGo. And of course, we'll continue to advocate for that legal harmonization as beautifully illustrated by Uncitral and, and by the English Law Commission's efforts as well. So busy times ahead, Depeche.
0: Absolutely. How do you sleep?
1: It's not just me. We've got some wonderful colleagues here.
0: Thank you, Louise. And I think if just taking a bit of a step back at the size of the problem and uh, going back on the fact you mentioned earlier, there are 4 billion pieces of paper floating around in the global trade ecosystem. And what does the of look like for those pieces of paper? And I think it's through four points there. Looking at rich data, looking at the new ISO 2 and what that actually means for trade. Really going down on data standards and harmonization, looking at open APIs. I think the other piece that's really important there is the value of new partnerships and third-party platforms, as you mentioned. I think one company can do everything when it comes to digitizing trading. How can we work? together in an agnostic way to really solve that problem around end paper-based trade for all. Louise, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks. Thank you very much for joining us on Singapore. We'll let you get on with your evening, but uh, look forward to hearing from you probably at Cybos. Absolutely, Depesh,
1: It's our pleasure. Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.